Talk Radio, Civil War Talk Radio. Today we're talking with John Marzalek. When we return, we'll move from the ridiculous to the sublime, Henry Halleck to William T. Sherman. How much time each day do you spend managing your personal or business calendar? 15 minutes, a half an hour, maybe more. Is the conference room available for next week's meeting? And how many people do you have to ask to find out? Have you ever misplaced or, worse yet, lost your day planner or handheld device? And what do you do about that missing information? Do you own or operate a salon or carpets cleaning business? How about a realty office or any one of a thousand other service-based organizations? Can your customers make their appointments even when your office is closed? If any of this sounds familiar, then Schedule Online is the solution for you. For more information, call toll-free 888-668-3355. That's 888-668-3355. Or visit us online at www.schedulonline.com. It's the one level playing field in business, the Internet. It's where an artisan working out of a small shop can look bigger than a multinational corporation. But to achieve this level of visibility, your company's website needs a developer who knows the net and how to make it work. Your company needs Apsio. Apsio's success comes from producing websites that reflect the attitudes and uniqueness of their respective organizations. Make a great first impression on the web. Choose Apsio, A-P-S-Y-O. For more info, visit www.apsio.com. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you from East Carolina University. And today I'm with John Marzalek, author of a recent biography of Henry Halleck. John, we've been talking about uh, Halleck, and you describe some of the important things he did you mentioned at the beginning that he sort of fell out of the public eye and there, there have been no serious biographies of him uh, really ever I suppose Ambrose wrote about him right Am- yeah Ambrose's book was basically just his Civil War career he really just didn't really do much on either before or after yeah so what happened to Henry Halleck why was he why did he become the forgotten general well I think there were, I think, a number, a number of things. I think number one was the fact that his personality, and again, I say based on, on everything we've talked about, his personality caused him to alienate an awful lot of people. I mean, he had some very good friends that he was very close with, but he he alienated a great number of people. Secondly, when the as the war comes to an end, uh, and Grant, of course, defeats uh, Lee and then comes to Washington himself and takes over. And then uh, Halleck is sent to uh, Richmond uh, to be kind of military governor of Richmond, and gets into some problems. He's very he's very pro-Southern, uh, very anti-Freedmen, uh, and it's one of the few instances in Reconstruction when when Freedmen were able to get something done. They protested against their treatment, and he was he was relieved of command and sent out in the big army reorganization sent back out to california kind of out of the out of the mainstream so to speak and then surprisingly and really not been able to find out what happened but he was called back to louisville 
uh, again, back into the middle of things in the Reconstruction period. And again, he takes a very pro-Southern, anti, uh, um, pro-Southern white, anti-Southern black position and in Louisville, and then he dies. He dies in 1872, so he dies a very young man. And uh, there really is no one. Uh, his wife uh, is not the kind that is going to be pushing him particularly, and she dies fairly soon. Uh, he's got a good um, buddy, George Washington Cullum, uh, who builds a statue to him in San Francisco. But that's about it. Uh, and something happened to those all his papers. They've they've disappeared. Most of his papers, I should say, have disappeared. So he didn't have that kind of thing. And uh, and I think, but basically, it just came down to he's just overshadowed by Grant and and Sherman on the Union side, and of course, uh, uh, Lee and Jackson and others on the Confederate side. So he had nobody. Pushing his story after the war. No, then... not, not really. It's, it, there's a great, wonderful part of the story is, uh, as I said, he's got a good friend going way back in the Army and even back, uh, well, as soon as he leaves West Point, named George W. Cullum, after whom Cullum Hall is named. Well, Cullum and, and Halleck are say, very good friends, and they joke around a lot, and they tell, by 19th century store, uh, standards, uh, a uh, little off-color things regard to women, uh, which fi- I found very surprising. Again, this split in his personality, where with buddies and friends he could be very, very charming and very nice, but with with authority figures and with administration, he was really nasty. Uh, but in many way, make a long story short, Halleck marries uh, the granddaughter of um, Alexander Hamilton, and then of course when he dies about five years later, Cullum marries this Halleck's uh, widow, and she dies before uh, he does, so all of Halleck's money goes to Cullum, oh. and Cullum does build a statue to, uh, uh, to Halleck, and he also says, uh, when we set up Cullum Hall at West Point, you've got to have a bust of uh, Halleck there, but he doesn't call it Halleck Hall, he oh. calls it uh, Cullum Hall, and it, it, it gets to the point that when when all of them are dead and gone, they're all buried together. You've got Cullum, Mrs. Halleck Cullum, and Mr. Halleck, all buried one right next to each other. So it's an intriguing kind of a situation. Well, that's a nice ending to that. It's probably just as well for American military history that there is no Halleck Hall at West Point. Yeah, that would be. Of course, Cullum, Cullum was you know not a very big name in the Civil War. He's kind of an aide-type person. But he becomes important later on and well-known because he helps form this association of West Point uh, graduates, and he uh, he produces the first uh, uh, several books about them, you know, names, addresses, and this kind of information. But yeah, that would that would be uh, that would be interesting, right? Maybe not the right inspiration for not the right commanders in the field. Yeah. Unless you're looking for administrative generals, then he well, would be perfect. Now you you did what you could almost call psycho history, right. uh, uh, physical history of Halleck, and you've also, of course, written about uh, Sherman. Right. And one of the questions people often ask about Sherman, uh, one of the first things they want to know is, what about that? Nervous breakdown, that, yes. that, uh, his, his, his insanity, so-called, in, in 1861. Right. Did you do anything similar for Sherman, looking into his medical or physical uh, health? Um, not, not in the same, not in the same way, and, and I'll and I tell you why. Um, 
the difference between, of course, different personalities, but the difference between working on Halleck and working on Sherman is Sherman's papers are humongous. They're just enormous numbers of letters uh, uh, that he wrote. Uh, I mean, I don't know how the guy ever fought a war or did anything else. I mean, he just wrote letter after letter to all sorts of people about all sorts of things, and he bared his, you know, he bared his soul. Uh, very, you know, he's the sort of guy that that got his frustrations out in his in his mail. So I, I think I, I was able to get a good insight into into Sherman just in looking at what he wrote in his letters, where didn't have the same uh, corpus of material about about Halleck. So I had to reach, you know, take another another step. And the other thing about uh, about Sherman too, his um, he the only, the only health problem he seemed to have was uh, his asthma, which did bother him a, a good bit earlier on. But it didn't seem to be a problem during the uh, during the war. But but there's a uh, there's a similarity I think in, in what I do with both these uh, uh, generals in that both of them are very much affected by their relationship or non-relationship with their fathers. Uh, Sherman's father dies when he's nine years old. He's taken in as a foster child uh, in the Ewing family, the family of Thomas Ewing. And he spends most of his life trying to show that he doesn't need Ewing help. Um, and as a result, uh, he um, uh, he has some, some emotional problems. Uh, no question he had terrible depression. It was depression really more than anything else in uh, in Kentucky and in, and in Missouri. Uh, and I, I, I argue just, just from what he said himself that because he again he, he he's it's like listening to somebody at times going to a to a counselor because he speaks his mind so freely um, that he was upset because he was having to fight against his former friends in the South. He'd spent most of his life in the South, and secondly, he then got depressed because he was not fulfilling his promise in life and he was not making it without without Ewing help. So there, there's some real, I mean, he goes to a, a very, very difficult depression. He'd had some depressions in, uh, in uh, California, uh, too. Interestingly enough, later on in his life, you don't see this. It, it, it's, he seems to be have one of these depressions that is in reaction to real things rather than a, a chemical uh, depression. So in 1861, when he's relieved of command of the Army of the Ohio, he's, he's reacting to these difficult events in his life. Yep. And then he comes out of it. Is it Grant who, who picks him back up and, and puts him in command of a division? Actually, it's, it's, it's really more, uh, ironically, it's really more Halleck that does it. Halleck uh, is, is, you know, when, he goes, when Sherman goes out to Missouri, Halleck is commanding out there, and they have some problems there. Uh, and he sends him home to to recuperate. And when he comes back, he kind of eases him back. And it's actually Halleck that moves him up through the uh, command. But uh, you've hit a, a key point. I think the relationship that Sherman has with Grant and that Grant has with Sherman is is absolutely uh, beneficial to to both of these individuals. I mean, I think they they both become the kind of great generals they become because of their relationship with one another. And one of the most intriguing things, which tells us something about human nature, I guess, is that one of the most important things about the two of them is they absolutely trusted each other. They knew that if one said he was going to do something, he would do it. Uh, And so they had absolute faith and trust in one another, and therefore they were able to act on this, and they always had a sense of security that they otherwise would not have had. That's a rare commodity in any 
facet of life. Exactly. Uh, really that, that, uh, yeah, to not to have the. I mean, Sherman is one instance when after after the capture of Atlanta, uh, and Grant, of course, is bogged down in the in the East, uh, and uh, there's talk of um, a, a, a what do you call promotion for Sherman. And Sherman writes to his brother, who's a senator, and says, "No, I don't want a promotion. Grant should be the, you know, the commanding general, and I'm happy with what I have, and that's the way it ought to stay." Now, that's incredibly unusual with the kind of egos that, you know, that uh, that one can run into in life, certainly. Absolutely. What did the two of them uh, think of Halleck, and vice versa? Did that, they get along? Yeah, good question. Uh, both of them um, think Halleck is the great general of the war early on they think he is the one of the great military minds of all time and they hang on to this belief even in that early year when halleck is not really uh producing uh and things don't change until when grant becomes commanding general uh he sees he works with halleck and he's happy with the way halleck helps him but he sees him as not the great general that he saw him before and Sherman continues to see him as a great general until the famous episode at the end of the war when uh, Sherman and Johnston had this so-called peace treaty negotiations. And Halleck, uh, Sherman believes, goes behind his back and tries to undercut him. And they, they simply cut off all communications, and they really never talk to each other again for the rest of their lives. Wow. It's really a sad thing. Now, they've had an episode, interesting enough, the two of them served together in California, and they had another episode like that where they didn't talk to each other for two years, even though they were working together in the same office. And the commanding general at that time, a guy named Richard Mason, didn't even realize this, because they would work, to, you know, officially they'd talk, you know, as they had to, but they just broke off all relationships. So when... Halleck, um, and, and they were together in California then, too. Uh, Sherman was a banker, and, and Halleck was uh, was involved in his law, and they had nothing to do with one another. So they come together again in Missouri at a time when Halleck is really in the position of authority, and Sherman is in you know difficulty with his depression, and they somehow work things out, and then they're very close throughout the war till this very end. Now that is a remarkable set of, of ups and downs between those two. Yeah, it it, it really and there's it, a very sad letter too that um, uh, Halleck's wife sends to Sherman after Halleck has died, asking about what had happened at the end uh, of the war about the Johnston business and all, and what what you know what could 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 uh, Sherman tell her exactly what was going on? And Sherman uh, says, well. Let's you know. Let's just leave those. Uh, let let's just leave those things alone. Uh, you know, Halleck and I were both strong personalities, and we had a disagreement. So I just don't want to talk about it anymore. So he really wouldn't even give her the satisfaction uh, after the, uh, Halleck was dead of saying, you know, well he was a good guy and we had a misunderstanding. So it was that that strong a, a feeling between us. That strong a break. Now that incident is. Uh, it seems to me points out something about Sherman where he negotiates with his Confederate counterpart a, an all-encompassing surrender uh, document, really political as well as a military document, and then it, it's disavowed in Washington, right. which, as you point out, Sherman blames Halleck. Sherman, on the one hand, seems remarkably unable to comprehend that, that he's not a, a political leader, that right. not part of his role. But on the other hand, his understanding 
that war is political. Uh, his march through Georgia, mm-hmm. which is as much political as it is military, right, right, is right. the foundation of, of a lot of modern strategic thinking. Yes. How do you explain this this paradox in, in Sherman's? Well, I, I think the, the, the I think the key to to understanding both the you know the marches through the to the sea and through the Carolinas and uh, this uh, the Johnston Agreement is this uh, affection that that Sherman has for Southerners. Uh, it, as I say, he gets depressed early in the war because he's having to kill people he we sees as his uh, as his friends. For example, he's shocked when he finds that uh, at Shiloh, a couple of the cadets that he had taught at the Louisiana Military Seminary were among the captives. Uh, so he's he tries to figure out some way to win the war because he's got to win the war to preserve the Union. Uh, you know, I, I call the book uh, Sherman's Passion for Order. He sees the Union as a symbol, as an essential for not only the nation's uh, success but his his success. So he um, he 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 acts and he tries to figure out some way to fight this war without killing his his uh, friends. And he keeps telling them. Well, he comes up with this destructive war, this harsh war, whatever you want to call the war against property, psychological war, and he keeps saying, "Look, I'm going to do this, but all you have to do is quit, and I'll be your best friend." And that's precisely what happens. It happens in in Savannah when he captures Savannah. Savannah quits. He says, "Fine, okay." So nothing happens in 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 Savannah. So when he meets with with Johnston, he's saying, "Well, of course, I'm going to I'm going to give him a, a, a you know an easy." Uh, way to get back into the union because I said I was going to do that. These are my friends, and and the result is, of course, that Sherman w- would go so far as to say that uh, he would be willing to have the South come back in the union with with slavery not uh, taken care of. Uh, he 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 doesn't see slavery uh, as as essential to restoring the union, which again is very myopic. I think he really is a, a, a paradoxical character in many yeah. ways. He is, and uh, what's what's interesting about him, uh, it, he's he's an intriguing individual. He is, an, an, I mean, he's an absolute intellectual. He can he can discuss just about anything with anybody. Uh, brilliant, uh, brilliant individual, and yet a man of very hot emotion, uh, a man who could jump off the handle very very easily. Um, but in, in other ways, very likable. He'd be the sort of person I think, in in, in looking at him. That if he walked into a room, he'd know everybody in that room within five minutes, and he'd be friends with all of them because that's what he seemed to be able to do, even with enemies uh, that he would meet after the war. That is is really a remarkable uh, characteristic, especially when you consider how Sherman is thought of today uh, by many Southerners right. as the, the, the arch fiend, the, the representative of the the worst of the Union war effort. And yet, as you point out, uh, he was in fact personally very sympathetic. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's uh, that's right. Well, I'd like to get back to this idea of what uh, what people think about the war today. Great. And we'll come back and talk about that in just a minute here on Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich with John Marsluck. We'll be back in a minute. 